This is CliffCentral.com. Good evening and welcome to the Cliff Central, to the Country Duty Show on Cliff Central. Thank you very much for joining me tonight. I am flying solo because Mr. Dumisole has abandoned me for white monopoly capital. <laughs> so my name is Katleho and my Twitter handle is at handful underscore K. Please do follow us on Country Duty ZA as well and join in the conversation tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking on a couple of issues and it's, I think, going to go with an open line because it's kind of weird speaking to myself. Um, our WhatsApp number is 079-748-2090 and our call-in line is 0861-555-189. So um, the reason I chose today's song, Free, is because... Um, we're, we're living in this country where we th- we said we're coming from, we fought for freedom and we fought to be where we are today. And yet we are still fighting the same battles that our freedom fighters back in our, pres- in our oppressive times were fighting. So we're still fighting for better education systems. We're still fighting for better health systems. We're still fighting for... Um, Black businesses, black banks, for example, the VBS issue that came out this week where um, the SARB, South African Reserve Bank, has taken them under curatorship due to them not complying with the um, with the compliance issues and stuff. Um, and it's it's really sad that they they had to go under that, through this instead of having going through with them. Um, in a different way. Um, the EFF statement that they released in support of this as well, um, just trying to open it up a little, uh, speaks on how SARB is, is, is actually one of those situ- um, institutions that could have handled this, this um, situation a little bit better, you know. Um, it happened as well when the Capitec was reported to have engaged in unacceptable financial conduct. The Reserve Bank was quick to act. Um, this um, the, um, Mr. T. Matozzi as well wrote a very emotional letter where he spoke about how they have tried to meet um, the requirements and stuff that uh, the SARP is um, SARB has been asking them to do, and they were unable to because every single time it seemed that SARB was moving the go post further and further. So my question when it comes to this is that, yes, I understand that um, they were not allowed to do businesses with the municipalities according to the Municipal fin- um, Financial Management Act. But what happens what, or what is the consequences that the municipalities that also invested in VBS then as a mutual bank um what consequences have come upon them because it's um all we're hearing about is how sub um vbs is the only one that seems to be taking the the knock on this and the people who they who invested the money who should have known because i mean they're the ones who are being governed or that operate under the act have have gotten have have done nothing. VB have um have not come out to say anything or to 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 say that what consequences are coming up from them. So yeah, um, I'd like to I'd like to see something that also happens on just to the municipality side. Um, and while we're speaking on banks as well, it's very interesting to see that um the Gupta people have lost the appeal in court against the Bank of Baroda. So that tells me now that. 
Gupta people actually have absolutely nothing in South Africa because their banks have closed down. Um, their citizenship as well has been denied by the home affairs people as well as in India. So <laughs> as we were saying in country duty the other day, that means that they are um, effectively stateless. Interesting things that we have seen in South Africa today. Um, I will be taking your calls and comments and conversation topics with you guys on Twitter at handful underscore K. Um, WhatsApp number zero seven nine seven four eight two zero nine zero, and um, our call studio call number is zero eight six one triple five one eight nine. Do let us know your thoughts and views on these issues and more. Um, another issue that I actually saw this week that happened was um, the the lady who lost her twins at Mami Lodi Hospital um, two years ago. And nothing has happened to date. Uh, the CEO of the hospital came out on uh, 702, I think it was on Tuesday, well, yesterday, to say that he was not aware of this until two, until last week. And he says it's because his um, complaints department is, is very inundated with calls about problems and situations or complaints. And I don't know how I felt about that because then it just says to me that so much, so many complaints coming in from a hospital and the, the, the way that they were so careless about how they handled the situation two years later and only now because it's out in the media, do they want to reach out to, to the lady and help her out, um, with, with her situation and her emotional trauma that she went through. But the entire time that she was going through this, nobody said anything and nobody felt the need to call her or talk to her. And she doesn't know what to do. She's like, she's really distraught. Um, and our health system, this is just one of many stories that happen where uh, pregnant ladies are, are left out to, to sort for themselves or where ill people are lying on the floor because there's not enough beds or where the staff is just either un, unfriendly and welcoming and and people are going through the worst times of their lives at that moment and this is what's happening we need situ- a situation where people are um are more passionate and more caring there's more compassion especially with the principles that they work under but to build principles where people's uh Unity is is what we we push for and speak for, and yet we out here leaving um, people to to suffer in in their weakest times. So, um, yeah, I do have a caller on the line, Doctor Nzikelo Breakfast. He's a political analyst from the Stellenbosch University. Hello, Doctor Nzikelo. I'm I'm good, and you? I'm good. Welcome to the Country Duty Show. Thank you very much, ma'am. Thank you. Um, my name is Gatlaha, and we I would like to talk to you tonight about w- your um, point of views. But I'd like to first let you um, talk to the, to our listeners and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, first of all, ma'am, I'm starting to hear you. I don't know if the problem with the line or what. I'm really struggling to hear you. Uh, okay. Can I just then put you back to our producer and then we'll try again? 
on a different line, maybe. Okay, cool. Okay, thank you. Sorry about that. Um, I think we'll try and take a break right now, maybe a musical break or something, before we get back to Dr. Breakfast. That's such a lacquer name, Dr. Breakfast. Thank you very much for staying tuned in with us. Um, we are trying to get Dr. Ntigelelo back online with us. I'm not sure if he can still hear us right now. Um, but before we left, we were talking still about the issue with um, the fight and the struggles that we are facing um Still in South Africa today And another thing that that really saddens me With our um, government institutions Or government places Is the education system um, Right now we're looking at um, Kuma school Where there were three There were 89 pupils Who were previously malice, Who were raped by a security guard And they sent in a police investigator To come investigate the situation And instead of protecting the children He further went and um, molested two of the girls who were in, implicated in this and it just it breaks my heart because um, we're failing our children and I as country duty we are trying to have a campaign out that's going to be taking care of um, the proper or encouraging the government to have thorough vetting in the schools where we can we can then have teachers the, um, pr- produce a Certificate of clearance or a clearance certificate to say that they have not been previously charged with any of these charges because our children every day you get a new case and a new story about a child who's been molested or a child who's been raped at school or and it affects the children's mentality and their futures going forward as well. It's it's just something that's just it's heavy. It's very heartbreaking. Um, before we went on to our break, I had said that we were trying to talk to Dr. Ntikelelo. I'm going to try and get back to him on the line. And he's going to be talking to us about the land debate a little bit more as well as the political aspect of it. Dr. Ntikelelo, can you hear me now? Yes, I'm okay, madam. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm in the cell. Even though you speak very soft, but it's fine. We can um, carry on. Really? Okay, I'll try and um, speak okay. a little louder. No, 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 no. I'm fine, madam. <laughs> Hi. It's so awkward that Hi. you're calling me madam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My name is Katleho. Okay. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, so could you please just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay. Um, I'm a senior lecturer at the University of Rainbow. Uh, as you pointed out earlier on uh, in the Faculty of Military Science teach uh, military political science, which is about civil military relations, uh, national security, security related um, issues. Okay, that's really interesting. That's really nice. Um, and so, okay, I'm just going to jump straight into it because I'm okay, awkward. Cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you think? Um, the political issues around, if there are any, land d- distribution is, or the land debate, the biggest ones. Okay. Um, well, I think what is quite interesting for me is that the, the land issue has not always been a policy standpoint of the ANC. When you look at the, the historical trajectory of um, the ANC, the land issue has always been associated with uh, uh, 
uh, leftist organizations like uh, the PAC and um, Azabo. Uh, PAC is guided by Pan-Africanism, so the land issue has always been at the heart of uh, Pan-Africanism and also um, black consciousness. Even though the ANC uh, has Freedom Charter, which makes reference to the land issue, but it has never stressed the issue of land as opposed to the articulation of um, the PAC and um, Azapo. As a result, PAC members and Azapo members have always been ridiculed by uh, ANC um, members. So it's quite interesting how things now have turned out. I think the, the land debate within the ANC was uh, inspired by the so-called radical economic transformation. So I hear that uh, the, the conference that was held in um, December at um, Nazareth nearly collapsed due to um, disagreements around the issue of, of land. So the ruling party had to, to strike a deal, basically, um, in order for it to, to function as a unified um, force. So that's how the issue um, came into the national um, agenda, um, that's how it um, came into um, um, the picture. So it came into the picture as, as, as a compromise. That's why even, even government itself, I, I, I don't think that uh, within the executive institution, within government or within the ruling party, it is supported by all and sundry. And the people who are pushing it uh, to the next uh, in the ruling party, it's those ones who are associated with the ideology or the, the idea of a radical um, economic um, transformation. So that also speaks to uh, one of the pillars of the EFF. That's why the EFF has committed itself to reward the ANC uh, for having supported basically what it stands for uh, by you know uh, planning to give it uh, the municipality in um, PE or in national um, base. So I think that 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 um, basically. Okay, so with that said, then one would say that the EFF is a flippity-floppity team then. <laughs> so wherever they're going to be getting what they want, that's where they will go. Not that um, they have denied it, but I mean, that just speaks a lot about their stability or their consistency. You know, in politics, they say that there are no permanent enemies or permanent friends. I think uh, EFF is over the moon that uh, the ANC is prepared basically to to roll out, you know, the land reform policy. Um, and and also it sees that as, as something that it has championed, you know, because it is the one that has brought this matter into the mainstream um, politics. Like I said, I mean, the issue of land has not always been the policy position of the ANC. So the ANC has tried basically its level best to, to keep up with the ESF, you know what I mean? Uh, because it, it, it seems this thing of... Land now it resonates very well with the majority of people or with black people uh, um, in general. You must remember that uh, land is not only about uh, the economy, um, about uh, identity, about uh, race, but also I think it has cultural and spiritual um, attachment. Attributes you know what I mean? to it. That's so, very so true. It, it's something that is very emotive. Um, to, to black people in general. Mm. But I mean, having you can't. It's not something like you said. It's very emotive to to black people, and it's not. It's something that you can't use as a politicking game. So I understand. Yes, fine. Um, at the conference, they needed an up, or currently because of previous failures or 
you know, people's names we won't mention, <laughs> who brought the, the party into disrepute, trying to, to now come back or gain momentum, they can't just go and make empty promises about the land because it's going to then cause havoc in the country. So they would need to be able to deliver on the things that they are speaking about. Um, even today, this afternoon, when Ramaphosa was speaking or answering questions in parliament, he still doesn't have a detailed um Approach or plan as to how he's going to go about doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Look. Uh, okay. No, no. Go I'm ahead. Sorry for, um, I'm sorry for. You, you, you see, my view is that in, in, in terms of levels of analysis, uh, how we analyze um, policies. When and and I don't say this in a disrespectful way, um, but when ANC members, rightfully so, when they're making policies. At conference, I'm not sure that those policies, when they are made, they are linked to budget, and other complexities are taken into account. You cannot cut and paste a policy from uh, the ANC conference to government, because in government you have bureaucrats, you have technocrats who are going to question now the operationalization of that policy in terms of budget and feasibility and other security risks. Um, basically, like you said earlier on, that if this thing, of course, I, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what you said, mm-hmm. uh, if this thing is uh, implemented wrongly, so it might pose a threat to national security. It might also pose a threat to the economy. You know what I mean? So it might worsen um, um, the situation. I think that's why now uh, people like Ramaphosa and other people are saying that. Uh, the public also needs to participate, basically, which is part of um, democracy because one of the hallmarks of um, democracy is public um, participation. So I think that is the, the rationale, basically. I, I, I do think that maybe the president is hoping that maybe, you know, the public might say the exact opposite. Because uh, I'm sure, like I said, I mean, race also is at the heart of this. Yeah. So I think the, the, the majority of white people might be vehemently opposed to it. And then the government will, will, will have to strike a, a balance in terms of how it appeals all in Sandra. Mm. That's why basically it, 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 it cannot just introduce it or roll it out uh, like that. You know, it has to go out there and hear the views of everyone. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> I've lost track of of my of my thought here. <laughs> um, with the with the um, I'm sorry. Um, okay, let me just go back onto Twitter. Go into to Twitter and read a couple of tweets. And um, we have one here from Zico. Uh, and he's calling me out for calling the EFF flippity floppity. He says that they will work with anybody who pushes their mandate, um, which is all great and stuff. But I mean, we need people who are also going to be able to stand up for what is right or stand up for what they, what is, needs to be done, regardless of whether it agree, agrees with them or doesn't. I'm looking right now at, um, how they are handling the EFF, for example, the, uh, DA coalition that they had with them where they're trying to twist their arm to, to agree with what they want them to do and threatening to break off or, or take down Ethel Trollope up in the, in the Eastern Cape. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we, we, yes, we do. We, um, it's great that they want to have to, you know, uh, 
push their agenda and have make sure that their agenda is going to be done. And I hope that they're going to be able to do the same thing right now with the land when it comes to the ANC, because right now they've gone over to the side of the ANC and, um, because the ANC is pushing their mandate, but how long is that going to last for? Cause I mean, these, that's, I think right now the only thing that they sort of agreeing on and it's not even completely agreeing on because what they proposed versus how the ANC amended the, the proposition that they tabled in parliament is totally different. Yeah. No, I think uh, what is interesting is that uh, on the one hand, I think the, the ESF, as far as I'm concerned, has never had a strategic alliance or a partnership with the Um You must remember that uh, the ESF in the main, the majority of its members, they broke away from the ANC. So there's always been this bad blood between the ANC and the ESF. However, I said earlier on that in politics, there are no permanent enemies, uh, nor there are permanent friends. So I think because now they speak the same language on the issues in question, they have decided to, to join forces, basically, because the DA is vehemently opposed to the issue of uh, land expropriation without compensation because the DA believes in uh, um, liberalism, which is liberty, freedom, uh, human rights, and in particular, the, the right to own private uh, property. Um, so if they're talking about uh, land expropriation without compensation, that goes against what they stand for. Um, that's why basically the ESF and the DA on this matter, they will never strike a team or, 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 or speak the same um, um, language. I think there will be other strategic uh, partnerships between the ANC and, and um, the ESF. I think the, the ANC, on the other hand, is, is also trying to play the best to reach out to the ESF by, you know, making it to to come back to the e, to the ANC and also they're trying to, to dissolve the, the ESF because the ESF is, is posing a serious threat to, to, to the ANC. Because you must remember, the ANC believes in the liberation of black people in general, uh -huh. African in particular. And the majority of ESF members are young people who are disgruntled, unemployed, and the ESF is speaking to the issues of, of that particular um, constituency. So the ANC sees that as a, as a threat. That's why it is sometimes, you know, uh, found one thing by having to compromise some of its uh, positions by trying to, to keep up basically with, with the ESF, even by adopting policies that uh, are unpopular or that it might not Or that they don't to, agree with. Yes, exactly. Just to keep up. So what happens if and after the land issue is resolved? Do the EFF revert back to the next pillar and take on the, that fight? Or do we see an alliance with the ANC happening for, uh, uh, or even a return to the ANC, do you think? I know Julius has already come out to say um, very vehemently that he has no intention of coming back. But I mean, you know, apparently it's cold outside the ANC. Look, uh, there are many possibilities. Um, the issue is that at the moment, I don't think that Julius would want to to relinquish the power that he has and jump ship and go to the, the, the ANC because he's got a grip over the EFF. You know, he, he, he can issue commands, he can tell this and that person to do this and that. So now to join the ANC and then be commanded 
by someone else or by other uh, people, it, it, it's going to be difficult for him. Politics is about power. He sees himself as the next president uh, within the EFF. So it, the ANC will have to dangle a carrot in front of him in order for him to, to accept the proposal that he must rejoin the, the, the ANC. I don't think that it's going to be simple and straightforward because now he is at the helm of the EFF and he's got his own constituency. So it, it, it's not good. But what is interesting is, is that, uh, you know, when you look at other political parties that came into the picture, that were also perceived to be posing a threat to the ANC, they evaporated or they are very weak now. A case in point is uh, if you look at uh, the ushering in of the uh, COPE, yeah. UTM, Mm. Uh, and other political parties, you know, look at the IFP, at some point it was a threat to the ANC, uh, mm. a whole range of other political parties. So uh, if the if, if the EFF doesn't grow its strength, then maybe it will reconsider uh, its uh, position. But as things stand, it is uh, growing from strength to strength. Yeah, they really are. And I mean, a lot of people have said that the best thing that ever happened to South Africa is the, is, um, Julius Malema leaving the ANC or being kicked out of the ANC, whichever one you want to call it or whichever mm-hmm. way you want to look at it. Um, mm-hmm. so you mentioned something about the ANC being at a, uh, or the land reform being part of a radical economic transformation that the ANC is trying to go under. Um, I just mm-hmm. want to, touch on the economic part of the land reform or distribution. Do you think that it could literally uh, break the economy of South Africa? Because I know one of the major issues that um, white people who are causing this hysteria about land reform and or land um, distribution is the fact that they think that it's going to cause uh, the the country's economy to, to just fall flat. I think the the, the, the the issue of land needs to be interpreted properly. Mm. I don't think that there should be mixed messages. If if, if, if government can uh, articulate a coherent policy position, I think that will uh, allay the fears, you know what I mean? Because as things stand, I think there are many voices, you know, so you, do, you don't know exactly what is... Uh, policy about basically. So they, they need to explain the, the issue of land in, in simple terms to all insiders so people can know, especially investors, you know what I mean? But in principle I think it's a good thing. I mean uh, land is, 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 is the economy, um, land is everything basically. I think people can never have dignity if they don't have land. So this matter needs to be addressed but, but, but I think the modality of how land will be rolled out, they need to be explained, especially to uh, investors, because people are thinking maybe their businesses or um, their companies will be taken away from them because they don't know what is the interpretation of the government about land. Okay, thank you very much. Um, please call us on zero eight six one. One um triple five one eight nine or send us a WhatsApp on zero seven nine seven four eight two zero nine zero. We're gonna take a bit of a song break right now and we're gonna be back with Dr. Breakfast uh after this.
Welcome back to the Country Duties Show. We are still talking on the land debate and we have got a caller on the line. Hello, Bangani. Bangani, hello. Bangani. Hi, I can hear you, but very faintly. Could you like try and move around a little bit, please? Hello. Bangani. Okay, we'll come back to Bongani. So, Dr. Breakfast, how are you? Yes, madam. Okay. Um, I'm Pacheco. Yes, that's so much better. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Thanks for holding. Um, we're okay. just going to be taking a call and a few questions from our listeners if we have any. Not a problem. No, I'm fine. Um, the, before we left, we were talking about how the EFF um, and the coalition with, with ANC going forward um, would be something that would be a, a, a measure of what they need right now. So it's not necessarily something, and also because um, the ANC is trying to, to calm down or quieten the voice of the EFF because it's their biggest threat or competitor right now. Um, instead of feeding off it and trying to, to better themselves by the ideas that the EFF has. Mm. Mm. Um, so how, what do you think about that? Um, first of all, I'm from that part of the world. You know, I think I understand that area Nelson Mandela Bay. I know what is happening there on the ground mm-hmm. very well. The problem there is that, let's be honest, the ANC failed dismally to render services to the inhabitants of Nelson Mandela Bay. That's why it was dislodged technically from power, even though the DA did not win outrightly. Okay. There have been many reports on corruption in uh, 2009. There was a, a commission that was instituted by the former mayor and uh, the former MEC of local government, Stelo uh, Koban. I think that's Stelo Koban. A report was released on corruption um, called the the Kabuso report, mm-hmm. which outlines institutionalization of uh, corruption. Subsequent to that, Fusipikoli uh, was also appointed to carry out also an investigation around the issue of uh, transportation uh, during the 2010 World Cup. Also, there were other allegations that were leveled against certain people. There was a conflict between the political elite and uh, bureaucrats in the Nelson Mandela Bay, and that has had a negative spillover effect to service uh, delivery, basically. So, 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 so the ANC failed dismally. So the key question for me is, if the ANC and the uh, EFF are going to have a gentleman's agreement about power sharing, the question is, is the ANC ready to govern there? No. Have they have they sorted out basically their own issues internally? Because there are still there is also uh, instability there in in in, in Nelson Mandela Bay. Yeah. Internally, basically, you must remember there was a halabaloo about uh, Lungisa and blah 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 when the the RSC held its own um, um conference last year. Uh, remember, Lungisa was elected to be the the chair of of of, of the RC of uh, Nelson Mandela Bay, and subsequently he relinquished his powers. So Chuni came into the 
pizza is a that is so there are, there are a lot of issues right there that need to be sorted so out. Um, I'm, I'm really. Dr. Tsikela, we've got a caller on the line, Reynold, okay. um, who wants to ask a question. Okay. Could you please hold on for me and we just try and get a hello? Hello? Caller? Hi, Reynold. Hmm. Okay, I think we're having problems with our lines um, and getting our callers through. Um, let me just try one more time. Hello, Reynold. Okay, we can't get a caller through. Um, I have a question on the WhatsApp line, um, Doc, that I'm, that I'm gonna ask you. Um, there seems to be a huge focus on, on farms and food security, but what about other land developments, etc.? What negative or positive impact would we see in the future when the state owns the land? This is a call, this is a WhatsApp message that came in for you. Hello, doctor. Um, I got cut. I don't know what happened. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Um, the question that came in is, there seems yeah. to be a huge focus on farms and food security, but what about other mm-hmm. land developments, etc.? What negative or positive impact would we see in the future when the state owns the land? Um, the, 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 the positive thing is that uh, if the ANC rolls out the land reform, uh, that will be seen as a restoration of the dignity of the African people. It might make a particular constituency happy. Um, the other thing is that uh, if, 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 if this policy is rolled out, some people, they see it as basically something that poses a threat to the business community because it means that government wants to take away what belongs to them, because some people, you know, uh, they've inherited land from their forefathers, even though that happened wrongfully. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a very complex uh, phenomenon. It, it's really not simplistic and straightforward, basically, because there are emotions that are attached um, to it. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Ntikelelok Breakfast, and the political analyst from Stellenbosch University. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Perfect. Thank you. We are going to be also talking now to Zanele Luane, the deputy president from Black First, Land First Movement. She would like to have her input on the land debate. Hello, Zanele. Hello. Okay, we're still trying to get Zanella on the line. She wants to also have her view. Um, but just in, in, in rounding up about what Dr. Breakfast said, the biggest thing about land or something, there's more to the land debate than just the economic factors and the um, the money side to it. So it, 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 it has so much um, value to, to the to the cultural side and to the roots of South Africans and Africans in, in general because a lot of things um, this is our home, this is our roots so for example there are people who have um, their, their forefathers 
buried on farms and on lands, on pieces of land that are owned by people or farmers, and they're not able to go in and go visit the grave sites because it's not owned by them or they don't have access to it and the right to it. And this just restores the dignity back to them, you know. Um, we do have Zanella online. Zanella, hello. Hello. Hi, Zanella. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Welcome to the Country Duty Show. Thank you. Could you please tell our listeners, I already introduced you as a Deputy President from the Black First Land First Movement, but could you please tell us a little bit more about yourself and where you stand about this? Can you say that again? Could you please tell us a little bit more about uh, who you are and what, what you do? Um, as you have just said, my name is Zanele Luana. Right. I am the Deputy President for Black First Land First. And we are a black consciousness movement and a pan-Africanist movement um, that seeks to dismantle the, the roots of colonialism, particularly in South Africa and also within the African continent. We are of the view as black first land first that first and foremost, South Africa is a black country and it is a country so rich, but yet we are the most unequal society. And half of the population, which is about 30 million of black South Africans, they live in poverty. This is uh, a direct consequence of the uneven property relations, uh, in, in uneven uh, patterns of ownership in terms of land in South Africa, where at least um, 35,000 families, including white businesses, control and own 80% of productive land in the country. And while as the black majority, we are pushed into the outskirts, we are pushed into the rural areas where the, where the majority of black people are landless in this country and therefore um, have no ownership of the economy and therefore are unable to have the necessary resources to, to, to have sustainable life and we forever have to uh, um, subject ourselves to employment, which still assumes uh, a, a lot of slave practices where we are paid um, below the living wage and we are forever uh, surviving at the mercy of the white settler minority in the country which controls all sectors of the economy, including mineral wealth and land ownership in the country. Thank you so much. Um, so you... You're very passionate about this. And a lot of people say that, like last week we were speaking to one of the lawyers, um, a lot of the lawyers, and they were saying that if we take the emotion out of the, the, the issue uh, and we just look at the economic part, the economic part of, of the land distribution, do you think that it's something that is feasible in the economic sphere? Sorry, let me just see if I captured your question correctly. Are you asking me if we think it's feasible to expropriate land in South Africa without compensation um from the economic side of it if because if, i mean i look i'm i'm all for expropriation of land f- for compensation but i mean there are people out there who are saying it's going to bring down the economy it's going to uh, ruin south africa and we're going to land up in another zimbabwe and i just want to know how do you then tell them or what is I your think. response to that no I, I think those are genuine concerns that even uh, the ordinary people who are black um, have around the impact of land expropriation without compensation. But our view as a pro-black, black consciousness movement, such as Black First Land First, we view the issue of land 
as a historical problem. It's a historical problem because we have a history of colonialism as the black majority in this country. We have a history of enslavement, slavery, and we have the, 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 the issue of discrimination and an apartheid put into law to, 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 to dispossess black people and, and, and making sure that we are left with nothing for, for many, many generations to come. So before we even uh, answer into the economic uh, implications and rather how land expropriation without compensation is going to affect the economy, our primary position as Black First Land First and many other black people as well. It's a historical problem that has not been corrected uh, uh, by the ruling party and that was not resolved even during the, 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 the CODESA uh, so-called negotiations pre-1994 and leading into this democratic dispensation. Oh, true. And we and... are of the view as uh, um, the, the Black First Land says that uh, the economy of the country is intact and where it is today because of a black majority anyway that has been turned into a labor force in South Africa to enrich the white elite, which is the likes of the Oppenheimer family, which is the likes of the Rupert family, which is the likes of Maria Ramos and many other families that, that control uh, the industry and expressed locally by white monopoly capital. And the question on, 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 on land expropriation, or rather the concern that arises that is going to have a negative effect, uh, impact on the economy, mostly comes from the white settler minority, and it comes from the life of the real Ramaphosa, who has a proved long relationship, cozy, lovely relationship with white settler monopoly capital in this country. So, for example, when the president of the country would speak of land expropriation without compensation, he would say, yes, we support it, but we must make sure that food security is, 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 is not, uh, what is it? We, we maintain our, our food security and, and that interrupted. it does not have um, a negative impact on the economy. Mm. Then our response as the Black First Land First Movement is that we have overwhelming empirical evidence in a country like South Africa, that 30 million of black South Africans already live in abject uh, uh, poverty. So the question of food security is very dishonest because the agricultural sector, which falls in the hands of the white settler minority, they do produce food, yes, but they produce it for exports, food that goes out of the country so that they can make profits and enrich themselves, while the larger majority which is black in society is sold uh, is fed gmos through millennial and many other things so our our our, our position as black first land first is that for sure um the economy should be protected but the key question we should be asking is that the economy at this point is in the hands of white people mm. we have no economy as as, 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 as as the black majority in this country and and then the solution that land expropriation without compensation will bring about is to open up the economy, is, is, is to open up an opportunity for what we call the democratization of the economy, where the economy, in terms of ownership, does not rest with a particular race while the black majority in this country remains landless. So as much as these concerns are there, but we must be very clear and, 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 and make it clear to our people as well that this is a historical 
problem that we need to fix uh, uh, um, as, as citizens in the country, as blacks who still remain oppressed and who live in poverty and who are subjected to humiliation for the rest of our lives because we have no country we can call our own. Okay, that's um, so. What you like, I absolutely agree with you. Totally agree with you. And um, the 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 fears or the the hysteria that they that the white people, as you say, or the white owners and farmland owners are causing, especially around um, the markets and everything, it's causing quite a bit of a uh, a dip in in the markets in 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 the rands, and it's causing his, uh, a crazy show all around. So, what do you? What do you? How how do you? Expect. Uh, um, I don't know how to put this question to you, but how do you? How would you then calm down or calm the fears and the and the the, the, the hysteria that's being caused out uh, that's being put out there? Um, no, my sister. Um, I think that's a very important question. And again, as the Black Lives movement, we it's, it's, it's I think not only for us as a movement, but as the Black majority as a whole, it's very important for us to always look back into history and to self-introspect and reflect on why South Africa is where it is today and even the continent as a whole. We live in a continent so rich when we look around the globe, when we look at the whole world. But we know that the Africans and the black majority, not only in South Africa but in the diaspora as well, we are the most poor we are the most uh, uh, wretched. We, we are the most uh, degraded people. Why? Because we have allowed, and, 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 and this is a history of violence and enslavement, where the West represented such as the, uh, by the likes of the United States Kingdom, Britain, and, 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 and the USA, uh, yeah. have direct uh, uh, ownership yes. in terms of the wealth that the, 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 that the country or rather the continent holds. So you would think of of countries such as Libya, for example. Thank you. How uh, that that country today is so poor. And and, and if you were to take a tour around the oil fields in Libya, you will find uh, multinational companies that do not even plow back into the country, making profits and leaving the people of, of, of Libya. Uh, uh, Zanele, I need and, to and interrupt you here because I have one last question for you about your elections. Are you guys really registered to be running for elections next year with the IEC? Sorry, uh, as, say that again? as Black First Land First Movement, are you guys really registered to run or to for, as the electorate with the IEC to run for um, the elections next year? Yes, so we are registered with the IEC. I'm not sure if you, many people had been able to notice because after so many inquiries from black South Africans, the IEC had to even communicate uh, via social media and they did confirm that we are registered as a political party, as the Black First Lives Movement, and we are intending to contest. We are going to contest, in fact, the 2019 elections, and we are. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks, but we Anna. are the only alternative. Oh, thank you very much. Well, we wish you all the best in the ne- elections then next year. And thank you very much for ca- uh, joining us and taking our calls. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow, that has been a very interesting show today. We spoke to, that was Zanele Luane, Deputy President of the Black First Land First Movement. She's very emotive about her um, stand viewpoint on, on the um, the importance of land. We have a caller on the line. Uh, Bongani, hello. 
Hello, Bangani. Hello. Hi, Bangani. How are you? I'm good in USD. I'm good. What's up? Uh, I see we have like two seconds to speak before your show ends. We have literally three minutes. Okay, no, so so although I wanted to say a mouthful, um, I'll only say uh, a few things. I just wanted to touch on the you know, the economic aspect of the land expropriation issue. Yes. Uh, because a lot of alarm has been raised, not just in South Africa, but internationally by investors as well. Yeah. And really, I think the message that I really want to get out there is, for me, it's quite disappointing that the South African government hasn't actually owned the communication around this issue. Mm-hmm. Because we have a lot of alarmists who are sending uh, messages to all and sundry, you know, saying things and speculating. Yeah. And we do not see the communications departments, whether it's via the government or the parliamentary committee itself, actually coming out strongly. I think the one statement they issued was on the 6th of March, where they basically repeated what uh, the president has said about, you know, this is how we're going to do expropriation. We'll make sure that there's food security and so forth. Mm. But uh, having seen the messages that are going out there, uh, people have a right to be concerned because they don't know what they don't know. Um, as a homeowner, you have a right to be concerned because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And no one has come out to say, don't worry, we're not going to be taking your house away from you. We've seen messages coming through from certain political parties, for example, over the weekend where they are saying the EFF and the ANC are going to be taking people's be taking houses. houses. We I'm going to seen... have to cut your call short, Bangani. So sorry about that. But we will continue. No, no, it's at all, SG. Um, <laughs> but um, thank you for the great show. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you next week again. Thank you very much for listening. We will continue on your point of view that you just pointed out about the economic part of the land distribution um, next week on the show and we will have economists in to come and give us the viewpoint the the facts around that so that we do not have the hysteria and we have the facts and when we go and put down our voices on the land expropriation part thank you very much for tuning in good night this is cliffcentral.com